Hi, this is Rob Delaney, and you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, is Bob Biggerstaff the ultimate road comedian? Yeah, got on the ship in Grand Cayman Islands, which is like, I had to look it up, it's right below Cuba. Went to Cozumel, then to Galveston, then went to Honduras and flew to another place in Honduras, then Miami, then Montreal. We'll hear more about Bob's journey and a lot more in just a little bit. We also have some brand new comedy from Paula Poundstone, a nice treat for us. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. A recent study says Coloradans will consume 2.2 million ounces of marijuana next year. It also says an estimated 642,000 Colorado residents would use legal pot. It also notes that several radio stations in the state will switch their formats to reggae. The Pentagon has cyber attack capabilities that allow the U.S. military to help blind Syrian air defenses without firing a shot, according to military analysts. One of the reasons the Air Force has paid so much attention to cyber warfare is for beating enemy air defenses, said James Lewis, an analyst at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. The Syrians say they have newly installed countermeasures in place, however, which they plan to pay for as soon as they hear back from Nigeria's former finance minister. Venezuelans scrambled to stock up on toilet paper Thursday as fears of a bathroom emergency spread despite the socialist government's promise to import 50 million rolls. After years of economic dysfunction, the country has gotten used to shortages of medicines and basic food items like milk and sugar, but the scarcity of bathroom tissue has caused unusual alarm. On a positive note, Venezuelan radio personalities have had an excuse now to do tons more bathroom jokes. U.S. President Barack Obama on Thursday chose a White House budget official to lead the beleaguered Internal Revenue Service temporarily and vowed to ensure the tax collection agency will not single out any more groups based on their political beliefs. The IRS had admitted to targeting conservative groups going back to 2010, conservative groups who suddenly think profiling is a horrible thing. You see, they don't, they, they don't like to pay taxes, you see, so of course they're, they're, people will look into that. Palestinians living on the Gaza Strip, where imported goods and travel remain restricted by its neighbors, Egypt and Israel, are willing to pay a team of smugglers to run KFC, that is the fast food KFC, orders through underground tunnels, usually waiting four or more hours to see if their orders are fulfilled. Although most of that time, like here in the U.S., is spent running back and forth to the store to make sure they got what they actually ordered. President Vladimir Putin of Russia will fly to work by helicopter rather than being driven there in his usual Mercedes limousine to try to appease anger over traffic jams created by his motorcade in Moscow. A helicopter pad has been built in the Kremlin and the president will use it at the first opportunity, presidential spokesman Dmitry Peskov said. To further improve his image, Putin will also give traffic reports from the helicopter. On the tens, I understand, by the way. A scowling Donald Trump raised his voice on the witness stand Wednesday while an attorney grilled him and then rolled his eyes at the Apprentice Star's answers, prompting a federal judge to scold both men in open court and order them to behave. Trump was so mad, said one witness, you'd have thought that the opposing attorney had suggested that the Donald's father was an orangutan. China downplayed border tensions with India on Thursday, days before the new Chinese premier visits the neighboring country on his first foreign visit since taking office in March. To further build relations, both countries plan to go out for each other's food. Entertainment Weekly estimates that Hangover 3, due in theaters this summer, will take in less money than its predecessors, continuing the franchise's downward trend in box office revenue. 
<laughs> Thank you, Entertainment Weekly, for pointing out the fact that people aren't going to pay $15 to see the same crappy movie three times in a row, and they could just watch the first one on Netflix three times. In what has become an annual tradition, the Republican-led House of Representatives on Thursday voted again to fully reveal the federal health care law passed by Democrats and signed by President Barack Obama in 2010. It was the 37th time they've attempted to do so. For inspiration, the Republican members of Congress played that Chumbawanga song while they gathered the votes. I get no And that's been Fake News with me. Last week was a crazy week. I'm not even sure how I got the last episode of the podcast out. Uh, oddly, though, this week has proven to be even more challenging, I guess because I'm still getting caught up from uh, other things. But So I thought I'd lighten my workload a little bit and also treat you folks to some professional comedy. Now, back in April or so, I think the beginning of April, maybe the end of March, uh, Paula Poundstone's publicist, uh, who I've worked with for years and years interviewing different comedians, they've always been so nice to me, uh, getting those uh, sorts of things set up, sent me Paula's new CD called uh, I Heart Jokes, Paula Tells Them in Boston. Well, of course, we had the uh, the tragedy in Boston, and they never followed up with me to make sure I was actually going to review it or play it on the show, and I think probably because because of the ugliness there in Boston, but it does nothing to do with it. There's, this was made, this was recorded like last year, but I think they thought that maybe I was just going to shy away from it, but um, that actually, she's from Boston. Uh, she played the Wilbur Theater there last year, recorded her comedy set, and boy, I forgot how much I love hearing Paula Poundstone do comedy. Uh, some of you folks may be familiar with her work on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the news quiz show, and she's very quick, very sharp on that, but she's also a great joke teller. And with this CD here, you get a mix of some solid joke telling, and she does a little crowd work, which I know a lot of people do, but uh, she's really good at it. And so I'm going to play you uh, a little bit of track six here. I'm going to play most of track six. It is called Includes No Dunkin' Donuts Jokes, and uh, has some funny stuff that uh, is, is timely and it resonates with me uh, because of Fangirl, but uh, you'll see what I mean. Here is Paula Poundstone from her album, I Heart Jokes. Paula tells them in Boston. I, I can't help noticing this, this guy. You got your iPhone. Are you expecting a call? It doesn't matter to me. Hello, I'll call you. What's your number? I'll tell you something, I, you know, uh, cell phones have probably caused as much trouble as the amount of problems that they've solved. But the truth is, I, you know, I can enjoy a, a cell phone conversation. I have found it a helpful thing in my life. But my daughter asked me if she could have texting on her phone. And for the longest time I said no. I didn't even know what it was. I just didn't think so. I like to say no as a parent. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, she's a pretty good kid, mostly does what she's supposed to do. So I guess she talked me into it eventually. And so I said, okay, you can have some texting on your phone. I still didn't know what the hell it was. <laughs> and we're walking the dog together one night, talking. Probably I was talking, let's face it. <laughs> she was thinking, when is this gonna be over? But we're walking the dog one night and her phone rings and she picks it up and looks at it and punches a bunch of buttons and puts it back in her pocket. And I thought, well, I don't know what that was, but it's over. <laughs> and then it happened again a few seconds later. 
you know, little, 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 and she punched a bunch of buttons and put it back. It happened three or four times in a row. And that's when it dawned on me, oh my God, she's texting. That's texting. Well, this is the stupidest thing I ever saw in my entire life. I mean, if we hadn't invented the phone yet, I'd say it's genius. It's kind of a step backwards, don't you think? Just, why don't we crank cars again or something? Why would you want to do that? People say, oh, it's better. You don't have to talk. Why would you communicate with someone you don't want to talk to? Oh, do you text, sir? That guy, you do? Um, so wait, so you text like for your work or for your personal use? Personal. Personal. So there's somebody that you don't want to talk to, but you're texting them. Why not have a messenger service? <laughs> and so, and so if it was working on a phone, it would be like this. Ring, ring, hello, click. <laughs> ring, ring, good, click. <laughs> Isn't it kind of a slow form of communication, sir? Not for you? Are you kind of a kickback kind of a guy just floating down the river of life? Not really all that busy? Do you weave, sir? <laughs> so you're not in a hurry, sir? That's why you text. Why do you text? To tell someone something. Okay, now, let's back up. Would it be better if I texted you now? It seems like you can't really understand when someone just talks directly to you. Am I using too many syllables? Are you picturing my words spelled correctly? So I'm saying you, Y-O-U, and you're thinking in your head, you, just the letter U. No, I'm confused. What I am suggesting is to me, texting takes too long as a form of communication. Not for you. You do it really fast. Well, what do you write to somebody? Like, what was the last time you texted? Did you do it today? Yeah. Who did you text? Uh, my boyfriend. You texted your boyfriend. Right. What did you text him? I don't you don't remember? <laughs> it wasn't a picture, was it? <laughs> Congressman. I think the Congress should just stay away from technology altogether. Um, so you texted your boyfriend something, but you don't remember what it was? It was about dinner. But you don't remember? How long ago was it? Are you on the Lyrica, sir? Because... You just remember that you did it, but you don't remember what you said. It was about dinner. Well, what about dinner? He asked you what you were gonna do for dinner. And you texted, eat it. <laughs> All right, I'd have to agree, that's faster.
Bob Biggerstaff is a stand-up comedian from Houston, Texas. He's not so much the funny guy sitting next to you in the bar, he's the hilarious guy sitting next to you, telling you about things going on in his life and commenting on the world of sports. Here's our interview with Bob Biggerstaff. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder, it's Bob Biggerstaff. Bob, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, down there in Houston, are we? Actually, no. I'm in uh, Montreal right now. Okay. Working at a club in Montreal called the Comedy Nest. Aha. Uh-huh. So do you have to do jokes in both English and French? Uh, no, thank God. <laughs> it's just a, uh, it's an English-speaking club. Oh, that's good. Okay. That's good. I don't, have a, I don't know French at all. Oh, okay. Very good. I'm half French. Don't speak a lick of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a problem, so... Um, so, what else have you been up to uh, these days? I know you're touring around a lot, but uh, what's what's new and exciting? Just a couple days ago, Wednesday morning, I was in Honduras. I did a cruise for a Carnival. Oh, okay. Per- performed on the cruise. Oh, nice. Yeah, got on the ship in uh, Grand Cayman Islands, which is like, I had to look it up, it's below, right below Cuba. Yeah, yeah. Got on there, went to Cozumel. Then to Galveston, which was like, you know, an hour from where I live, but stayed on the boat and then went to Honduras and got off in Honduras Wednesday morning, flew to another place in Honduras, then Miami, then Montreal. That was a long day. Wow. Yeah, so, but that was fun working on the cruise. Yeah, have you, have you done that before? No, that was my first one. That first okay. time I ever went on a cruise and certainly oh. first time I performed on one. Little different than uh, working at a comedy club. I mean, they had a comedy club. They have a comedy club on the boat. On okay. The ship. You have to do some shows for all ages and then some shows for 18 and up. Okay. But the thing was, it was still, you know, material that I use. If somebody were to see me at a comedy club, you know, it's not like I was just had specific jokes that I was only going to do on the ship, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was still my regular act. Just, just when there's kids there, you can't swear or anything, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That. But it was it was a lot of fun. I was uh, kind of nervous because I'd never done it before, and they make you have two completely different half-hour shows, which is just weird because you never think of actually having to do two completely different sets, you know? Yeah. yeah uh, probably a good challenge, too, though, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have enough material, but they want you to have one half hour that's for all ages and then a completely different half hour that we say 18 and up, so you started in Houston, ostensibly. Yes. And uh, d- did you have a, a day job, and then you'd long to do comedy, or was comedy in the in the works all along? How did that uh, come together? I started working at the Laugh Stop in Houston in like 1997 as a doorman. I also had a day job. I had like a warehouse job, and so I would work at the club and at night just as a doorman. I worked there for like three years. Ended up becoming the like the bar showroom manager. Okay. I didn't want to do that, but I was, you know, doing open mics and stuff. And then in uh, about 2001 or or middle of 2000, I quit working at the club and then I was doing open mics and stuff. And I started hosting at the hosting at the laugh stop and, you know, I was just doing that. I mean, I've only been doing this. I've only been doing it full time for about four years. Oh, really? Even though I was working the road, I would still when I was at home. I would work at the comedy club during the day. Oh, okay. Uh, you know they would always let me 
whatever, go in there and answer phones just to make some money. And then whenever I was going to go on the road, they were like, you know, I was allowed to leave and go on the road and stuff. So yeah, very supportive. Yeah, definitely. I know there's some guys that work up at the at Go Bananas that yeah. do that. At least yeah, haven't yeah. Uh, Gabe, um, Matt, yeah. Gabe, Gabe Kia, Matt Stanton, who's now in Pittsburgh. Uh, he'll work, but sometimes he's back home uh, working the door and stuff. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of guys that do that. Uh, Sam Evans for a while before he moved to New York, I think. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, everyone's done it. A lot um, of clubs do that. Yeah, you um, you talk a lot about sports in your uh, set as well, uh, as I yes. recall. And uh, so what what are you finding funny about sports these days? I know we've had a lot of stuff just in the past couple of weeks. A lot of big stories crop up. I talk about like steroids and stuff, make, making fun of you know athletes that have taken steroids in all the the various sports. And I have some. Uh, I like the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yeah, I know a lot of guys are into that. I mean, I try to you know I try to keep up on all the sports stuff, and you know when newer things happen, I, I when things happen, I live in Houston, and you know the Astros are one of the worst teams in baseball. Yeah. Right also, I have I have a. Plenty of jokes about them <laughs> and where they play and stuff. Like, uh, I'll even give you one. The uh, people don't go to the games, obviously, at, at where the Astros play uh, their home games at Minute Maid Park because they're terrible, right? I mean, why would you want to go? Yeah. And actually, one of their selling points, which they started last year, was now you can bring food to the games. You can bring your own food to the games, right? They're like, <laughs> it, we don't care. Set up a barbecue pit in right field. <laughs> You see the right fielder? He's no good. He's not catching anything. It's like true. They they do allow you to bring food, which is which is very weird. That is like a minor league ballpark kind of thing, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, you know, you can't bring food to the movies. You can't, I don't know, to tell people they can bring, I think you can bring like a gallon-sized Ziploc bag filled with food or something. It's just. Nice. Well, yeah. Which everybody does anyway, but at least, at least I do. <laughs> yeah, real, no, yeah, of course. People sneak stuff in, but to actually tell people. Hey, you can bring food. It's like, no. How about you just, since nobody's going anyway, how about you just like take like a dollar off all your food prices? Yeah, exactly. Get get better margin on that stuff. Um, what what do you make of the whole? Because uh, we were talked about this on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. The whole Tim Tebow situation. This is fascinates me. The fascination fascinates me. I guess is what it is. I, I mean, the guy's a good player. I just. I, he did well in Denver. I mean, it seemed like everybody was making excuses for why it was something else as to why Denver made the playoffs a couple years ago and even and even won that game against Pittsburgh. Yeah. When Tebow was a quarterback, it was like he threw the game-winning touchdown in overtime only because the guy who was uh, defending the receiver fell down. Yeah. You know, it's like he he's not getting any credit for anything. And then when he went to the Jets, well of course they there was no way he was really going to play because unless unless uh, Sanchez got hurt because they put all that money into Sanchez. I think if he's given a chance, and the one time he was given a chance, he did well in Denver. I mean, w- winning's winning. That's true. He, he won games, and that is true. I think if you, you drill down into his stats, uh, they still weren't the greatest, but, you know, you got to go back to that thing. He, he, he does what he needs to do to win, and we played a clip. I was talking about the thing, how people kind of put this false... Uh, religious persecution thing on him. That's the reason that people are against him. And I'm like, no. This we I played a clip from NFL Films where they uh, followed him around and mic'd him up. And he's talking a lot. You know, he prays a lot during the game and says things like thank God and praise Jesus and all that during the game. But he also 
is very uplifting for his teammates. He, t he told Demarius Thomas, hey, don't worry about dropping that pass. You're going to catch the game winner. And turns out, a couple plays later, catches the game tying pass. And he congratulates the other players on the other team when they tackle right. him, which I think is hilarious because I think I would just tick him off all the more, you know, and I think Tebow's getting a laugh on that. So because the fascination fascinates me that, that, you know. I think people just can't believe that he's actually that genuine. That could be it, yeah, that's Can't true. I mean, he's not perfect. No one's perfect. The fact that he appears to be so perfect, I think. I just think people can't believe that he's actually that genuine. That could be. For what I've seen, it seems like he is. Yeah. Now, now, would we be surprised to find out? You know, he's involved in sex orgies or something. <laughs> well, no, that could, that hap You know, that could happen to anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's but true. It's true. He seems to be very genuine, and I, I think a lot of people, they just people are so cynical. These days, I just think people don't buy into the fact, oh, this guy can't really be like, he's not a virgin, he can't, all this stuff. And it's like, well, hey, the fact that he's a, you know, professional football player, whatever, is a very nice guy. And I don't really care about all that stuff. You know, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, if I was hanging out with him and he just was constantly talking to me about Jesus or something, I'd be like, all right, man, we're going to have to, we're going to put you on mute. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think, you know, he seems, like you said, he seems pretty genuine. I don't sense any phoniness. And I, I'd raise an eyebrow if he got mixed up in that stuff. But, yeah, no, I wouldn't yeah, be shocked. Yeah. He's a pro but, athlete. But, but as with anybody else, right. it would, you know, it would, maybe it would be a little more surprising because of all. But, geez, you know, how many, not that he's a religious figure, but how many religious figures have gotten in trouble? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So. Yeah, who was that one guy out in Colorado, the, uh, the, the pastor that, oh, geez, he has the big mega church. I can't remember his name. But they did a thing on him on NBC about his megachurch, and they carefully screened all the people that were allowed to talk to the media. Sure. And all those people came off very nice. They were like, oh, we just wanted to see what, you know, go to a different church, we wanted to be part of a bigger community. They all seemed perfectly normal. He seemed like the crazy one. He had this big, goofy grin on his face, and he didn't take off the entire interview. And I'm like, you're the freak here. Everybody else <laughs> is completely normal. And I guess it turns out he, he, uh, he bought meth and, from uh, a gay hooker. And uh, God, I can't remember his name. It'll, Is there uh, any other kind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what else do you follow sports-wise, uh, apart from like the, the the big sports there in in Houston? Or do you like one sport but the other? Are you a bigger football fan than baseball or basketball or what? Yeah, football. Football, I follow all season. Baseball, kind of wait until it gets close. Baseball and basketball, kind of more when it gets closer to the playoffs. I mean, this year the Rockets, you know. Houston Rockets made the playoffs, so uh, that was nice. I mean, they ended up losing in six games, but I think they were in the playoffs last. I don't know, were they in last year? I think so. But you know, they haven't been good for a while, so I mean, they got the number eight seed, so we kind of knew they they weren't going to win. But well, you know, six games is pretty good when you're the eight yeah. seed. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone upset might happen. So, other things uh, apart from sports, uh, do you like to work into the act these days? Things that I talking about things that I do, going to the movies, what you know, watching TV. I go to the movies all the time, so got some material about going to the movie theater and different movies, renting movies. It's all most of my act is based around me and what I do. I mean, I guess you could say everybody's acts like that, but You're things that I do and my stupid. You know, adventures or whatever with my <laughs> with my family, and you know, I talk about my dad some and different family stuff, and just think, you know, so most of my I don't know if you want to call my act autobiographical or whatever, but you know, it's just things that I that I do. So a slice of life, I would say, is what. It's yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's 
do you just kind of wait for funny things to happen, or after so many years of doing this, do you, is your radar kind of attuned to be kind of just subtly on the lookout for like, hey, you know, you're standing in Starbucks and someone does something like, hey, wait a second, why is that, you know, why does that kind yeah, of thing happen? I'm always, you know, most comedians, we always carry a, a pen and something to write on, and nowadays, you know, with your phone, you can record something in or just, you know, go to a note page and type something in. I always have something to write down if something happens. Now, so, you, you have to keep that organized. I spoke to Orny Adams a couple months ago, and he said he used to have a great system of just keeping pieces of paper in his pocket. And since technology came along, he emails himself, he writes stuff, and they said he can, then he can never find anything. I use one little notebook at a time that fits in my back pocket. I'll always have that when I'm, when I'm going to perform, whether it be like if I'm at a, an open mic at a bar or you know at a show at a club, I'll always have that with me. But I always have my phone, too. And nowadays, it's just easier to... All the stuff ends up going in that little notebook eventually. But nowadays, it's just easy to grab your phone. And I got an iPhone, you know, I hit the notes page and then type something in. And then later on, I'll put it in the, put it in the notebook. Yeah. So there's really only two places I put it. Yeah, the, you know, using the... I, I had, used to have more trouble when I, when I didn't have a little notebook or the phone years ago. Because then, yeah, you're like, here's a napkin, here's a napkin... Yeah. Here's a napkin. Here's a little piece of yeah. paper, and then you're like, you know, you can easily misplace those. So yeah, or wipe your mouth with them. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I have plenty of notes with like chicken wing sauce on them. <laughs> <laughs> Grease and stuff. Um, I guess that's something people don't appreciate uh, about when you're doing that kind of a system, of course, is that uh, what what would you say is the ratio of uh, you know of real gems to stuff that's just kind of like, eh, there was a, maybe an idea there, but it's gone because it seems with most. You know, folks I talk to, it's you know, it's, it's an amazing mountain you have to dig through to really find the gems. Yeah, it's all well. I mean, it's all about performing. Once you've, you know, if, if you're telling a story of what happened, okay, well, you just, you know, you're just telling us, you're just relaying the information of, oh, I was standing here and this happened and that happened. Hey, it's funny. But if you're actually trying to, you know, maybe there, maybe you just saw an idea for a for a a story that you're going to make up. I can never like write down my jokes and be like, oh, this this will be a great joke. Like write the whole thing out. I just can't do that because I have to be in front of people performing it. So a lot of times I'll, I'll have an idea what I'm going to say, but I don't know exactly what I'm going to say when it's a new bit. Okay. I'll start, you know, and I'll do it on stage and whatever. It might get a laugh, it might not. But even if it was, even if it didn't get a laugh at all, I'm still going to try it at least a couple more times. Okay. Try it like I'll, you know, rewrite a little bit or move stuff you know, around. Once I've done it once, then I'll listen to it because I always record my sets on my iPhone, and then I'll listen to it and I'll say, oh, okay, well maybe I'll try this, you know, this word instead of that. I'll always try something that I want to do at least at least three times before I before I'll tell myself, you know, after three times I'm like, okay, this could be terrible and forget it. I'm just not going to do it. Or it could be like, all right, there's something there. I know it's it's working, but it's not where I want it. Or it could be, all right, it, it works. This is this is already this is good. Are you ever... not, to say, not to say the joke's ever finished. You can certainly oh, still yeah. still work on it. But many people have different ways. I just can't sit down and pull things from thin air. I have to have already had some some sort of stimulation that has told you know that has given me an idea. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. just sit down and sit down and say I'm going to write jokes today because I have to have something. I can look through the paper and write down, you know, sure. mon monologue type jokes, but you know, that's kind of different than doing a stand-up set. It is. Are you ever surprised once you've monkeyed with a joke, uh, what actually ends up uh, making it work? Oh, yeah, certainly. 
a lot, when I'm on stage trying a new joke, a lot of times, really, I'm I'm writing it as I'm saying it. Like I said, I can't. Every time I've ever thought, uh, "Hey, this would be a, this would be a good joke," and then I actually wrote it out and said, "All right, this is how I'm going to say it." When I get on stage and say it, it never works. But if I go on stage with the idea, say, uh, whatever, I was going to make a Tim Tebow joke. Yeah. All right. You know, all right, the fun, the funny part about Tim Tebow is uh, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm not thinking of a, a real joke or anything, but you know, the, the funny part is he, uh, you know, he was the backup for Mark Sanchez or something, right? Well, that's, that's the punchline. That's a horrible punchline. It's not a punchline. But I'm saying, all right, how do I get to that point? Lands it, yeah. Let's go on stage and talk about Tim Tebow. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say until I get on stage, which is what I use open mic nights and stuff for. I don't go up and try to write a joke at a real show. If that makes sense. Not that I don't yeah, yeah. Like a real show, but you know what I mean? Right, I right. Go as yeah. I might try, I'll certainly try some new jokes. Uh, and it's easier to squeeze in some new jokes when you're doing, you know, a 45 minute set. Yeah. Cause I know, Hey, if you know, try this new joke, if it doesn't work, well, I got plenty of stuff that can go behind it. That'll work, you know? Yeah. Well, all right, sir. Uh, thanks for taking the time today to uh, chat with us and, uh, yeah, no problem. Cool, man. And good luck up there in Montreal with them uh, Canadians up there. Yeah, I had one show last night. It was uh, it was really fun. There was a the Canadians were the, you know the hockey team was playing, so they we lost six thought, to one. Yeah, we thought there might not be anybody at the show. Yeah, but we actually you know we actually had like I don't know forty fifty people, which they were even surprised there were that many. Yeah, well they they were probably better off going to the show after seeing that uh, debacle because I was yeah like it said six one and I was like yeah. That was the score of the last game, wasn't it? Or two games ago? And they were like, yeah, they lost that again. Oh, geez. So. Okay. All right, man. Well, uh, good luck the rest of the way out. We'll see you next week in Cincinnati. Yeah, you going to come out to one of the shows? Uh, yeah. If, if uh, See, I do actually do a, a trivia uh, gig next door uh, oh, okay. at, at McLeavy's, and we're debating on whether we should keep it at 8 o'clock and compete with the show, or should we do it after trivia? i got to talk to Mikey about that and see what he wants to do. Nice. So either we're providing an alternate to going to see comedy or we're competing with the comedy. We don't know what we want to do yet, but we'll see. Gotcha. <laughs> so All right, either, man. Either way, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stop by and say hi. All right, man. Well, thanks, right. Bob. Talk to you later. Take it easy. All right, bye-bye. Thanks to Bob Biggerstaff for being on the show. We are up against the clock, folks. So for all things Bob Biggerstaff, go to bobbiggerstaff.com. If you need to hear the credits for PF Tape Recorder, let's do an old episode. They're all great, I promise. Uh, other than that, so long, and thanks for listening. Oh.